0: Well, good morning to you. It is so good to see you here today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I was absolutely blown away as we started talking about different people that were going to be traveling this weekend. How many people were traveling? So let's pray for those folks They get home safely and enjoy their time away. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you so much for coming. I hope that you picked up a bulletin on the way in. All the announcements there are very important to you, uh, just to make sure that you are aware of everything that's going on over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so check it out. Uh, make sure you read all the announcements. Uh, Kevin has asked me to remind you that the Clay shoot is this Saturday. And if you are going to be participating, we need to know today. We've got to have a head count today. So uh, Kevin will be the one doing the uh, offertory prayer in just a little bit. So you'll know who he is if you plan on being a part of that. You need to let him know today. Uh, and two, they're, they're providing lunch uh, for whenever you come back. So uh, we need a head count for that as well. So if you will just just let us know if you hadn't had a chance to sign up yet. Today is the deadline for that. Also, just a reminder: we're one week closer. To our VIP Sunday, which is November the 19th. I hope that you are inviting your friends and your family. Uh, we're inviting people who maybe are not involved in a church anywhere, uh, whether it's they just have never really gone or they used to go and don't go any longer, whatever it may be. Uh, All of us have friends and people around us who who just aren't at this point in their life going to church anywhere. So that's what VIP Sunday is about. Uh, We want to invite these folks that are close to us, that are our friends, our neighbors, our family members coworkers we want to invite them in so that we can just love on them that day that is our that's our goal that day is just to love on them and let them know that there is a church where that wants them and would love to have them uh, as a part, and so we're just gonna we're just gonna love on them. That day is about the, our VIPs. It's not about First Baptist. It's about our VIPs. So please make sure you pick up the invite cards there on the front pew. If you need any of them, you can pick those up. Uh, and you're looking for a yes, uh, not a maybe. I think so. I'll try. Let me think about it. Uh, Anything like that, we, we want a yes. And once you get that yes, we have a response card that we want you to fill out. It's also on the front pew today where you write your first name and their first name on that response card. We don't need any last names. And then our ladies that meet every Tuesday and, and pray together are going to pray over those cards. So we're going to start praying for who you have invited even now. We're going to start praying now. For them that God's going to just love on them and let us love on them that we're going to be able to build some relationships and uh, with, with people that we were meeting for the first time that day. So as you invite get that yes and then put their name on a response card so that we can pray over them and then the cards will go out on our banner out in the front foyer so we can be reminded to continually pray for the folks that are uh, going to be attending that day. So VIP Sunday coming up November 19th. And guess what? Today's October 1st, Alright. So November 19th is like two weeks away. At least that's what it's going to seem like. Uh, it'll be here really, really quick. So don't put it off. Don't say, well, I'll wait closer to time. Go ahead and start inviting your VIP now. All right. Well, let's take just a moment to pray together, and uh, then we'll uh, jump into our worship through music. Thank you so much for being here. I am so glad to see you. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, today we come to proclaim that you are holy, that you are good, that you are just and kind, you are gracious and merciful. Lord, when when it's a good day, you're all of those things. And when it's a bad day, you're still all of those things. We thank you that you are faithful, that you, you are an unchanging God, that you are the same today as you were yesterday and will be tomorrow. We thank you that we can count on you, that we can trust in you, that we place our faith in you knowing that, while we may not always understand what's going on in, in our lives or around us, that, Lord, you have full control. And that, Lord, you can bring even even the worst things that happen to us, you can bring beauty from those ashes. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you love us, Lord, in spite of our faults and our failures and our shortcomings. Thank you that you love us in, in spite of of all of the times, Lord, that we've disappointed you and we've strayed away from you. And, Lord, we thank you that you never, ever, ever stopped loving us. And we thank you that you have met with us here today. We know that you are in this place, Lord. We know you are because you've promised us that you would be. And we, you are faithful to every promise you make. And so we know that you are here. But now, God, we want to come into your presence you're here with us, but Lord, help us now to come into your presence so we can be with you. Lord, for those that are in this room right now that are hurting, we pray for, we pray for peace and comfort and help. And Lord, for those that are in this room today that are searching, we, we pray that you will light their, their path with your truth. That they'll be able to see, Lord, exactly what it is that they're searching for. Lord, we pray for those that are broken, that today will be a day of healing. Whatever it may be, Lord, today we place ourselves at your feet and we pray, oh God, that you would do in us what only you can do in us today. That when we leave here, Lord, we will have been changed at the core of who we are. Yes, we'll have sang some songs and yes, we will have studied some scripture and yes, we will have have fellowship together, but Lord, change us through all of that. Transform our hearts so that we can be pleasing to you and molded into the shape of our Savior Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that if there's one individual sitting in this room right now, one individual that will watch this through the internet, Lord, that doesn't know you personally, how I pray, oh God, that today is the day, that today is the day that you invade their heart with your truth and your love and your grace and your mercy. That, Lord, they, have, they, they will desire to place their faith in you as their Savior. And that today will be their day of being reborn into the family of God. And that today will be their day of new life. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. Guide us in our time together is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Well, let's stand together and sing. Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me? When I call, is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing.
0: Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to come to your house again. And thank you so much also for the cooler weather that we're getting to experience as it's just a true sign of of your hand, your intelligent design on this earth. And Lord, as we continue with the service, with the singing, with the preaching, the tithes and offering, and the communion we're going to partake, God, I just pray that you would be pleased with it all. And we just ask and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is good to see you here today, and I want to invite you to find with you, find with me in your Bibles, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter number 5. Today we are continuing our look into the series called Greater. I appreciate so much uh, Brother Brandon filling in last Sunday while Ron and I took a few days of vacation. And uh, I know he always does an amazing job whenever he fills in. And appreciate it so much, Brandon. Thank you. Today we're in Luke chapter 5 verse 17 down through verse number 26. Not an unfamiliar passage of scripture to most people. Uh, Most people have heard this scripture either uh, that you've read it yourself, you've heard it taught, or maybe you've even just heard it referenced. But it is a, a fairly familiar event in the life of Jesus. And the Bible says that in Luke chapter 5 verse 17. One day he, talking about Jesus there, was preaching and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him, talking about Jesus, but not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and led him down through the tiles with his stretcher and to the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins have been forgiven you, or to say get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. Immediately, he got up before them and picked up what he had been lying on, and he went home glorifying God, the understatement of a lifetime. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God, and they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen remarkable things today. Let's pray. Lord, again, thank you for the privilege of being able just to worship you. Lord, we are mindful that all over this globe that there are men and women, boys and girls, who would love to be able to publicly assemble to worship you, but they know that in order to do so, it would cost them their life. But even in their secretive times, they still worship. But Lord, what a privilege and honor it is to be a part of a nation that allows us to be able to assemble publicly and to publicly proclaim that you are the God of heaven and you are the one true God and there is no other God but you. Thank you for allowing us to live in a country where we can stand and with boldness proclaim our faith. That the Messiah has come and he has come to set men free. To deliver those who are in chains and in bondage. to, To set those captives free. To give eternal life where death reigns. Thank you. Lord, today I pray that as we have opened up the inerrant, the infallible and the inspired word of God. That now these words will be... Use to invade our heart with your truth. Lord, today we're going to be faced with a truth that we can never say that we haven't heard before or seen in your word before. Lord, from this day forward, we are forever accountable for what we hear today. So teach us, guide us, convict us, Lord, in our hearts in those areas where we need convicting. Encourage us in our hearts in those areas where we need encouragement. Heal us where we need healing. But most of all, Lord, and above all, glorify your name through your word. For it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a question that has to be asked when we read this event in the life of Jesus there's there's just there's just these underlying questions that aren't answered for us in the scripture itself but we find ourselves asking and for me one of those questions is this what was it about this paralyzed man that made him so deserving of this type of extreme effort on his behalf. What was it about this man, this paralyzed man, that made him so deserving of this type of effort? There's a, a place called Aliceville, Alabama. Back in World War II, it was a, it was a POW camp where primarily German prisoners were kept there whenever they were captured during the war. And most of those prisoners, when they came to Aliceville, they expected literally hell on earth. They expected to be mistreated, and they expected to be beaten, they expected to be starved, they expected the very worst of conditions and the worst of treatment. After all, they are prisoners of war. They are soldiers fighting against the United States of America, the very country in which they're being incarcerated. They expected the very worst of all conditions. But something amazing happened in Aliceville, Alabama, when these prisoners were unloaded off of the bus and marched into that That camp, they found fresh linens and new mattresses. They found the finest foods that you could eat, good food to eat. They weren't being asked to starve. They found that they were offered weekly fresh clothing, and their clothing would be laundered and returned to them. And they couldn't understand why they were being treated so nicely. They are prisoners of war. Enemies against the United States of America. They even began being allowed to have orchestras from instruments donated by the townspeople of Aliceville, Alabama. And so they would get together and they would play music together and they would, and they would have times of, of, of joy together in the midst of a prison camp, POW internment camp. This was during a time, and let me remind you, when the American people were being asked to ration their food and ration their goods for the sake of the military... Uh, that needed those items and so needless to say there became a great uproar once news got out that these prisoners at Aliceville were being treated so nicely and 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 so there was a great uproar so much so that the, the the commander who was over the American prisoner of war camps was called in before Congress and told to give an account of these things? Why were these prisoners being treated so well? To which the commander replied, we're just following the Geneva Convention. It is, after all, something that we signed along with the other countries. We're just doing our duty. And that was good enough for a little while, and they let him go on his way, and Then something amazing happened. Adolf Hitler heard about his troops being treated so nicely, he personally sent $12,500 to Aliceville, Alabama to help take care of his prisoners, to help reimburse the kindness that was being shown to his prisoners. When that became news, of course, he was the commander was called back in front of Congress to give an account of this and once again reminded that he was treating these prisoners too well it, because, see, it had just been discovered that over 84 of our own servicemen had surrendered to a German infantry during a battle and had been gunned down after surrendering and their bodies left to rot. And so Congress demanded to know why we were treating these prisoners so well when our own soldiers were being mistreated in the German camps that they were being held in. And here's what that commander replied. We signed that treaty called the Geneva Convention. It's not our responsibility to make sure they keep it. It's our responsibility to make sure... We keep it. And we will not become like them. We will be Americans. Now, I tell you that story simply because there's just some times when we look at a situation like this man on this bed. And we have to ask, what was it that made him so deserving of that kind of kindness? Maybe it was absolutely nothing. Maybe he was the town drunk. Maybe he was the the one that could out-curse anyone else in the area. Maybe he was the one that everybody shunned. Maybe he hadn't bathed in a while. Maybe he was of the kind that insulted everyone around him because he was angry at his own condition. We don't know who this man was. But we know that there were some people who saw that they had a responsibility to him. So as we look today, we need to understand that you and I have a greater responsibility to others Simply based on the fact that we have been saved by grace. We have that responsibility to others. In fact, listen, Paul said, I am a debtor to those people. Well, Paul, how can you be a debtor to those people? Those are the people trying to kill you. Paul was simply saying, I have been saved by the grace of God when I was so unworthy of salvation. I have been delivered from my sin. I have been set free from the bondage of, 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 the, of the sin that I lived in. And, and God has redeemed me. I owe others to tell them about Jesus. Well, today in this event, I want us to notice three groups of people that are present here. And as we do, I want us to ask ourselves individually, which of these three groups do I fall into? Because I believe that every born-again believer falls into one of these three groups. I'm in here, you're in here. If you're a believer. So which one is it? Well, let's look at the first group. The first group is the critics. We saw them immediately because as soon as the this event is unfolding, we are told that as he's teaching that day, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law. Now, now what's interesting is that these religious leaders had come from Jerusalem, Judea, and it says in every village in Galilee. I mean, you're talking about a, a gathering. This was a gathering. They all came. But now let's, let's be clear as to why they were there. They were not there to worship. They were not there to, to, to hear the truth of God's Word. They were not there for that reason. Let's be, be clear on that. The reason they're there is because there's a lot of people that are starting to follow Jesus everywhere he went. And they viewed themselves as the self-appointed uh, person that is to make sure Jesus is following the rules. That's their They saw that as their job. Their job that day was not to come and hear truth their job that day was not to to bask in the presence of the messiah their job that day was not to see the great things that god was doing they felt their job that day was to make sure you're following the rules jesus that you're keeping all the rules They arrived just hoping, I think, that Jesus would mess up so that they could shut him down. But here's the truth that I think we need to understand about these Pharisees and these scribes. That if Jesus had chosen to act like them, think like them, and follow their rules, Jesus would have been okay. They would have applauded him. They would have said, man, what a... Find upstanding person that says, did you hear that wonderful sermon that he preached? Did you see that great miracle that he did? If he had just only acted like them, thought like them, and followed their rules. See, here's where some of us can get in trouble if we're not careful. We become critical of those who are different from us. I confess Can I be the first one to confess I have been guilty of this many times? And if we're honest, most of us have at some point. But let me tell you what didn't happen. These critics never considered picking up the bed of this crippled man in order to bring him to Jesus. Now listen, they're coming from every village in the area. They're coming all the way from Jerusalem. I mean, they are coming, and every road that leads into this city, this village, where they are, a religious leader has walked down it to get to this house. Odds are someone along the way passed this paralytic man sitting on the side of the road on his bed or, or sitting outside of his home on his bed, wherever it may be. been. Odds are they, someone may have passed him on the way in. And we know they got there first because they wanted to get inside and get the best seat. Which is exactly what they did. But you know, in today's culture, it may not be a crippled person. It just may be a lost person acting like a lost person. And we have to be careful. Careful that we don't allow ourselves to become so engulfed in our religious ways that we become a barrier that keeps those lost people from coming to Jesus. Let's be honest, Those, those critics that sat there that day were appalled at the fact that they were tearing the roof off of the house. They were appalled at the fact that they would interrupt this man who was teaching to lower this crippled man down. They were appalled at the fact. Listen, he, maybe he hasn't bathed in days or weeks or who knows how long. Maybe he, he reeked of body odor and he, he, he reeked of, of all of these things that he had tried to heal himself. But they lowered him in and set him down. And listen to what the Bible says in the middle of the crowd, right in the middle of where they were sitting. Now you're talking about being offensive. That's it, isn't it? There's the critics. Then there's the crowd. Because verse 19 tells us that there was not only uh, that that not only was the house where Jesus was teaching full, but that a large crowd had gathered around the house to listen in on what was being taught inside. And I'm sure all ages were represented in this crowd. And can I just go ahead and tell you, I feel sorry for the short guy that got stuck in the back. Because that's where all the short guys always get stuck, you know. They just wanted to hear. They were eager to hear what was being said, but listen... Even though they were so eager to be hear, hear what was being said, none of them were able to give up their spot so the crippled man could get into the house. You know, there's, there's horror stories in every church about you're sitting in my pew. <laughs> there are. You talk to any preacher anywhere, talk to anybody that goes to any church and they'll tell you, oh yeah, there's been that, you're... You're sitting in my pew. My great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother donated that pew because it was cut off the land that my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather bought when he first came to America. Isn't that what we do sometimes? We, 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 We want to be welcoming but as long as you're not interrupting me you're welcome just don't bother me i don't mind you being here just don't bother me isn't that what these this crowd was saying i'm sure that as they gathered around outside of the house and they looked at the the hill and they could see these men carrying that that bed with that paralytic man. Come, come Don't you know, they all did what we do when we see a new baby or a new puppy. We, they went, oh look at that. Isn't that nice of them to do that? You see, how, look how caring. oh Until they were asked to step aside so they could get the bed into the house. Then all of a sudden it was like, well, you, hey, I... I'm outside. He's no better than me. Let him stay outside. All of a sudden, it became a matter of, don't bother me. This crowd, they, they usually have the mentality is, I don't care what you do. Just don't let it affect me. And again, they're blocking the way for others to gain access to Jesus. They're, they're, they're blocking the way. Can, can I tell you that even I, I believe that as they try to excuse themselves and inch themselves in through the crowd and, and, and put their shoulder in and kind of elbow their way in and everything. Don't you know that there's a little shoving got the going on, a little pushing got the going on and, you know, get back there and you're in your place and don't, don't, don't bother me. Don't listen. I'm trying to listen. You're interfering with what I'm doing. And, and they just kept pushing and pushing until it became evident that they weren't going to be able to get in through the door. Can I tell you something? The greatest barrier to reaching lost people often is saved people. I'm just being honest with you. The greatest barrier to reaching lost people often is saved people. And can I tell you, when lost people come to church... Can it be an inconvenience? Yes, it can. Absolutely, it can. They're going to sit in my pew. They're going to drink, they're going to get the last cup of coffee. Can't believe they would do such a thing. They're going to leave a mess behind. Their children are going to run crazy. I mean, there's just so many things. Oh, mm, they just mess up everything, right? Aren't we all aren't we all just better off without that hassle? Aren't we just better off if they just stay out and go somewhere else? Isn't that just better? Well, not if you want to have the heart and the mission of Jesus. Yes, it's messy. Because lost people act lost. They smell lost, they look lost, they talk lost. And for us, oftentimes, they start, when they come in, they want to nudge into a space that is ours, and we get so protective that we push them right back out. There were critics, and there was a crowd. But then there's a third group that I don't want us to miss, and that is the compassionate. Luke says that the crippled man was carried by some men. But the gospel of Mark tells us that there were four men who carried this crippled man. And while again, I don't know how these four men knew this crippled man. I just don't know how. But what I do know is they cared about his condition. Now, the reason I bring all this up is because we're getting ready to have, in just another month, a month and a half, a VIP Sunday. And we're asking ourselves, I'm not just asking you, I'm asking this of myself, that we bring with us, invite to our church that day, people who either do not know Jesus as their Savior or they have... Once been involved in a church, maybe they've been hurt by it, maybe they just got out of the habit, whatever, but they don't go to church anywhere. And if we do what we're asking ourselves to do, then there's going to be lost people among us on that Sunday. Now we can be the critic. I don't like the way they're dressed. Can't believe they came to the church dressed like that. I can't believe they. Ooh, did you smell them? Uh, they reeked of alcohol. Uh, man, I don't tell you. Did, did you get a, Did you get a look at Did you get a look at what they were wearing? Did did, did, you, did you hear some of the language they were using? We can be that critic. We can be that crowd that just says, "Well, I'm not going to invite anybody, and I don't mind you inviting any, anybody, but just don't just don't let them bother me while 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 they're here. I just don't want them to bother me." But then the compassionate, we don't know how far they carried him, but we know where they carried him. They brought him to Jesus. And it would have been so easy, it would have been so easy, easy, easy for them to quit when they failed to gain entrance into the house. When they got to the house and they did everything they could to nudge in and inch in, but being pushed back by the crowd, it would have been so easy for them just to set him down and go, look, bub, we did the best we could do. I'm sorry, man. I mean, you know, we gave it our best shot here. We we did everything that we knew to do. And and you're just out of luck, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're crippled. I feel bad for you. I wish you weren't crippled. But the truth is, there's nothing I can do for you. It would have been so easy. They could have said, when one of them suggested the roof, the other three could have said, are, are you nuts? There's no elevator on this house. Do you know what it's going to take to get him on that roof? Do you have any clue the energy that we're going to have to spend to get that man on that roof? I just don't know if it's worth it or not. Climbing the stairs or ladder to that roof had to be extremely difficult. Tearing the roof panels away had to be extremely difficult. Listen, lowering the dead weight of a crippled man down to Jesus had to be terribly difficult. But can you imagine the joy that filled the heart, the mind of these four men when Jesus not only acknowledged their faith, but healed the crippled man? Can you imagine the joy on that roof that day? When Jesus looked up through that little gather, that little hole that they had lowered him down through and said, boys, I see your faith up there. And let me know. Let me tell you something. I'm going to honor it. Your sins are forgiven, sir. Rise up and walk. (laughs) They may have carried him there, but he was running home. They may have sweat a little bit, toting him up the ladder. They may have had to to grunt a little bit and, and, and put a little extra effort into getting him down through the roof, but he ran home. That's the motivation of the compassionate, to see the broken mended, the hurting comforted, the hopeless filled with hope, and the struggling filled with peace. That's the motivation of the compassionate. Now, you and I have a choice. We can look at this Sunday on on November 19th and just say, oh, it's just some gimmick, just some, you know, just some one-time-off deal and blah, 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 blah. We can play it off and make it like it's not important and I don't want to get involved and I don't want to have to do that and uh, don't make me invite somebody to church. I mean, we can do it, can't we? Can't we do that? It'd be so easy to do that. Or, we could look at it as an opportunity to connect a life With the life giver. We can look at it as an opportunity. To connect someone. Who. who Who's hurting or searching or needs truth. With the one who can bring healing and help. And give them truth. We can look at it either way. But I want to tell you what I'm. You know what I'm, I'm praying for. I am praying for it. I am praying for it. God knows my heart. I am praying for it. That when that 19th comes, that we've loved on someone enough that they want to know the Jesus we know. That we've cared enough about someone that showed up. They saw in us enough compassion. that They said, tell me about this Jesus thing that you're talking about. I just came because you... Irritated me to death until I showed up. You promised me lunch, remember? I'm here. But maybe, just maybe, just maybe, someone out of all of those who may come may say, tell me more about your Jesus. Wouldn't it be worth it for that? Wouldn't it be worth it for just that, if just one Now, 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 listen, we can blow it off. We can blow it off. Gim it. Eh, don't want to get into it. It Sounds like too much trouble. Sounds like one of these half-cocked ideas our preacher has every once in a while. Or we can be a compassionate and say, this is my opportunity. I have an opportunity. I have an Opportunity to carry someone to where they're going to, to meet Jesus and hear truth. The compassionate. It's the greatest responsibility you and I have as a believer. That responsibility of bringing people to Jesus is more important than just coming to church or just giving a tithe or just serving in a, on a team or whatever it may be. That is the ultimate responsibility. When Jesus was leaving his disciples, he didn't tell them just to go gather. He said, I want you to go preach the gospel to every person. I want you to go around the world. I want it to reach every corner of, the, of this, this globe. I want you to preach the good news of the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded you. That's what he wants us to do. That's our responsibility. Is it hard work? Yes. Is it frustrating? Yes. Does it require energy? Yes. But when Jesus does what only Jesus can do, it is worth it all. So before we have communion, I, I want to—I I just want to ask two, a couple of closing questions. You ready? Let's just be perfectly honest. Which group did we find ourselves in this morning? If you're, if you're being brutally honest and you say, you know what, I'm kind of guilty of being one of the critics, then today's a great day to, to lay aside kind of the rule book and say, Lord, just, just soften my heart toward that person. Give me the compassion for that person that you want me to bring to you. If you found yourself being part of the crowd, you're just kind of apathetic. Eh, I'm here and and you know, hey, I did my thing today. I came and sat in my pew today and I gave my money today and I sang my song today. I did my thing today. Just leave me alone. I'm good. If you find yourself being in that crowd, then today's a great day to ask the Lord to help you lay aside the apathy and to soften your heart toward that one he wants you to bring to Jesus. And if you can truly say that you're one of the compassionate, then today's a great day to ask God to keep your heart soft toward the lost. Because if you if you if we don't keep our hearts soft toward the lost, then the opportunities to bring them will cease to exist. In just a moment we'll stand, we'll sing. This is our chance to prepare our hearts for communion. So this is our chance to get right with God. If there's anything in our life that's not right with Him, this is our chance to do it before we take of the Lord's Supper. So my prayer today is that when we walk out of here, we'll walk out of here with the heart of of the compassionate. That we'll go look for that one that God has put in our life that doesn't know Him that's detached from a church, that's just floundering out there, who needs someone to love them. And, oh, God, give us a heart of compassion to bring them in. Let's pray. Lord, give us the heart of the compassionate. Lord, I'm going to go ahead and confess what you already know is true. I'm guilty, Lord, of being the critic. I'm guilty of being part of the crowd. Oh God, make me one of the compassionate. I pray that today, Lord, you raise up in this church body people whose heart is soft and tender and warm toward the lost, to the struggling, to the hurting, to those who need truth, Lord, that will we're willing to take on the effort, the energy that's going to be needed to begin the process of bringing them to you. That we won't shy away from our responsibility, Lord. We'll embrace it wholeheartedly. And by your strength, O Holy Spirit, by your power, we will work to bring them into your presence. Lord, fill our hearts and minds with compassion and love for the hurting and the struggling. Prepare our hearts as we prepare our minds to take of the Lord's table. Lord, do what only you can do is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing together. If you will to be seated for just a second, and I'll invite our deacons that are going to be helping with the uh communion if they will to come on up, Brother Eric, if you'll help me, sir. Thank you. You know, there's no more beautiful and sacred time in the body of Christ than when we celebrate communion together because of what it represents. I will tell you that today we do not have any of the prepackaged elements. Um, I don't know if you remember last time that we had them. uh, I got a hold of a sour one. And so we have done away with those, and so uh, I apologize that we do not have the prepackaged so if you do not feel comfortable uh reaching into the plate uh, and or to receive the cup or the bread, then of course we understand and uh, by and no means uh, think any less of you for that, but just wanted to make you aware that we do not have the prepackaged ones. We're going to take just a moment to. Uh, begin together with the distribution of the bread and the wine. We're going to ask our deacons that they'll take their place. Thank you, Ray. And we're going to invite you at this time, if you will, uh, to make your way to, toward the walls according to where, which side you're sitting on and just make your way around to pick up the the bread and the juice and then you can make your way down the middle aisle to return to your seat and then we will celebrate communion together. So, I invite you to come. Bible says that on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, that he desired to have that last Passover meal with his disciples. There was something he wanted to teach them at that meal, that Passover meal that he he couldn't teach them at any other celebration that they had enjoyed together throughout their time together. And that was simply the fact that he was the Passover lamb. And that his body would be broken, not just for the sake of a celebration, but that his body would be broken for the sin of the world. The body that was broken was broken for you and broken for me. And the Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed. So Christian, take in. Traditionally, that cup represented the blood of that Passover lamb, the lamb that had been slain so many years before and placed upon the doorpost of the homes of the Israelites so that the death angel would pass over them while they were still dwelling in Egypt. It celebrated the fact that God had provided through blood A way to life. And that's what you're holding in your hand with this juice. It represents the fact that God has provided through Jesus Christ. Through the blood of Jesus. A way to life. It is only by the the shedding of blood that we have remission of our sins. Forgiveness is only found. When we are. Immersed and washed by the blood of Jesus. This cup represents that very process. So Christian, take and drink. As they prepared to leave that night from celebrating the Passover together, with all of this new information in their heart and minds, they began to make their way to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus would spend his final hours of freedom praying. Praying for you, praying for me, praying for his disciples that were there. Even praying that God would embolden him and encourage him and give him what he needed to endure in the coming hours. Well, today what we're going to do is we're going to sing as we leave But we come to sing a truth that because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because the fact is, Jesus did go to the cross. He did shed his blood. And yes, he did die. But three days later, he evacuated the tomb, left it nothing more than an empty grave. And he came to life so that you and I could have the life that he offers us now. So let's all stand together. This will be our benediction as we sing together the chorus to Because He Lives.
1: Let's try that again.